It was my first Sunday serving a new church, and there was a get-to-know-the-newest-pastor hour in between, yes, a whole hour, <laughs> in between the two worship services. Your face is so funny, Connie. <laughs> She's back there with a stank face, like, who decided that? It wasn't that bad, I swear. <laughs> I began by telling a little bit about my journey and how I ended up in Des Moines, Iowa, of all places. And then the last 30 minutes were set aside for questions. The first question was less of a question and more of a demand. I know that's surprising of church people. (laughs) The demand was, you have to go to the state fair. You must see the butter cow. I did see the butter cow, and it was just as unremarkable as you'd think, but fun (laughs) nonetheless. I hear we have one of those at the Ohio State Fair too, don't we? It's not a cow though, it's something else. We'll all go and check it out. The second question came from four-year-old Sophia, a redhead with pigtail braids. Is your favorite animal really a frog? Yes, me too. That one was great. The third question then came from Aaron in his early 30s, who I would come to find out is a faithful member of the young adult group. He said, I love this church. I love being a follower of Jesus, but I hardly tell a soul about it. And when I do, I find myself justifying it. I always say what I'm not before I say what I am. There were dozens of audible me-toos and yeses and head nods. And then we engaged in a rather lengthy lamentation as an entire room. Another young adult chimed into the conversation with what felt like a confession. She said, I actually decided to take the fact that I'm a Christian off my dating profile. Her friend sitting next to her sheepishly said, I'm nervous when I see that a guy is a Christian. I always try to figure out what church he goes to and figure out if they're progressive or not. It can be a real deal breaker. Make no mistake, the young people in the room were not the only ones that were speaking up. Everyone had their own laments. There was a middle-aged mom talking about her friend group and the incorrect assumptions that are made about her values and who she votes for. She lamented the decision to speak up, causing a riff in the group or simply to just fade away from their gatherings. There were multiple grandparents in the room talking about the newspaper and how every article that mentions Christian values weren't anywhere close to the values that they hold. The room was full of passion and also anger, but the through line truly was lament. And it is really sad, right? I am sad that the loudest Christian voices always seem to be the ones preaching hate and judgment. I am enraged that someone, some church, or some group spends on average $2,000 a month on a billboard on I-71 that reads, hell is real, using fear and ignorance as a tactic. Or another few thousand dollars that reads holy matrimony is between one man and one woman inviting me to call 1-800-4-TRUTH even though it's a lie. Holy matrimony is all love being blessed by God and that's the truth. Over the past few years, I have been lamenting 
that when someone finds out that I am a pastor, because I do confess to you all this day that I don't usually start with that. <laughs> I have to say, or feel like I have to say, I'm cool though, I swear. <laughs> I'm not that type of Christian. And that's to make people feel safe around me. Or, but the UCC in my church is progressive. I mean, clearly we have women who preach and we march in the pride parade, blah, 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 blah. And then I feel guilty for this rationalizing word vomit coming out of my mouth. It's easier to just say nothing than to have to say all of that. Is anyone relating to this? Okay, great. <laughs> Deb Lindsay, two hands in the air. <laughs> This is all what my friend Aaron was lamenting that day. These were his questions for me. Are we really being faithful if we are only claiming the type of Christians that we are not? Or are we really being faithful Christians if we're being silent altogether about the fact that we are? Today we find ourselves back in Matthew's Gospel. A couple of weeks ago, Deb was preaching from this very same section, and she reminded us that this is what's part of what's called the missionary discourse. It's kind of broken up into three parts. The first part is Jesus giving the disciples instructions for their mission, being sent out to preach and teach and build the church. The second part is Jesus warning them of the dangers of doing so, and giving them a reality check that they'll be facing a lot of persecution and suffering because of the message that they're sharing. That's what Deb took on. Well done. <laughs> then we read, read the third part this morning. Jesus saying, but also, you'll be rewarded for this work. It's rough, but it's so worth it. Jesus was specifically talking about the hospitality they might receive in their mission work. He's talking about folks hosting itinerant missionaries in their homes. And in some ways, this can be swept into the larger understanding of the very Jewish and Christian practice of welcoming vulnerable strangers into our homes. We've heard that before in scripture. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, Jesus said. That's a super awesome thing to consider that when we offer hospitality to the least, the lost, the vulnerable, really anyone, we are extending hospitality to Jesus the Christ himself because of that super awesome message. I think most preachers would choose to preach a very topical sermon on hospitality this day. Because if we take the missionary discourse a little bit more at face value, it's a little hard to relate to in our contemporary setting. Because how often are we tasked with hosting traveling preachers and missionaries or strangers in our home? Our own ideas even about hospitality usually have nothing to do with strangers at all. We live in a day and age that places great emphasis on making our houses comfortable and inviting, but the surge in home improvement and DIY has done more for the bottom line of Home Depot than it has for this wonderful practice of hospitality. In the midst of a housing crisis, millions of carefully furnished guest rooms go unnoticed until it's time to dust. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to dive into that some other time, but I don't want to preach about hospitality today. 
I got stuck this week thinking about the whole missionary thing. The whole idea of Christianity being a movement that we're sent out into the world to preach and teach and act upon. In Matthew's gospel, there is an assumption that we, the church, are a sent church, a missionary church. There's simply no other way to be the church. This understanding is actually being recovered more recently with the missional church movement. There's growing awareness that mission is not just a program area of the church that you may or may not take part in. It is or ought to be the defining purpose of everything that the church does. We come through the doors to be nourished and encouraged and reminded of that, but our primary task, our primary calling, is to head back outside into the world, proclaiming with our actions and our words the good news, the gospel of love, justice, and grace. The vast majority of us are not sent out into the world as wandering missionaries, depending on others for shelter and sustenance. But that doesn't mean we're off the hook. I am convinced that we are all sent into the world to tell and embody the good news. All are sent to bear Christ to others with humility and vulnerability, being willing to risk rejection. We need to stop expecting people to come on their own initiative through our doors and instead take seriously our calling to bring the gospel to them. This whole idea makes Christians in more progressive denominations very uncomfortable. Whose skin is crawling out there at the mere whiff of evangelism? <laughs> more two hands! <laughs> I get it. When we hear the word evangelism or even a message that's anywhere close to an invitation to engage in its practice, many folks around here get rather uptight. Maybe our mind immediately goes to those hateful billboards on I-71 or the people with the portable microphones on the street corners warning us of the rapture or how we're all going to hell unless we repent. It makes us think of the unexpected knocks on the doors of our homes when we're preparing dinner or we're in the midst of work. For some gathered here, it brings up memories of our childhood and the theology that harmed us or made us feel unwanted or excluded. This idea of evangelism makes us put up our walls and run in the opposite direction. It seems as though progressive Christian denominations did exactly that. Reject anything close to evangelism by keeping to ourselves. I think that's how hate got to be the loudest voice on the street corner. We opened up free billboard space. Many pastors took off their clerical collars to blend in. We stuck to our worship spaces and chose meaningful but safe, humble, and quiet mission work. We sit quietly as worship spectators. We have allowed judgment and hate to take boards, offices, and courts. We've let the Bible be cherry-picked in service to exclusion. We started defining ourselves by what we are not 
instead of the life-giving, love-bearing, inclusive, and welcoming, theology-preaching people that we truly are. I have to say I really admire what missionaries do. I admire their investment of their whole selves to the task, leaving behind everything and relying completely on God, on God's creation and the neighbor. And hear me also acknowledging both the historical and current damage and harm that has been done by Christian missionaries, from diseases that led to death to enslavement. I am not advocating for us all to drop everything and spread the gospel in some foreign place that is more than fine without our whiteness and American exceptionalism. Rather, this day, I am asking for us to consider a few things that we progressive Christians really struggle with that missionaries are often very good at. They are articulate, with a large grasp on scriptures and the gospel, confident and passionate about their message, and willing to step out of their comfort zone with complete trust in God. And so I return to my friend Aaron's questions. Are we really being faithful if we're only claiming the type of Christians that we're not? Or are we really being faithful Christians if we're being silent altogether about the fact that we are when we leave this place? First Community Church, we've got something to share. You know that? We've got a vision of a way of life that is worthy of living. We've got a food pantry that offers more than just food, but dignity and worth. We've got an all-loving and merciful God. We've got delicious homemade treats to buy on election day. We've got a band with incredible musicians who share their God-given gifts in worship. We've got a church camp that offers safe space for kids to be exactly who they are. We've got incredible choirs who travel the world as ambassadors of this place. We've got theology that doesn't need to be unlearned when we grow up. And notice that I never mentioned what we aren't. Let's boldly claim and proclaim, yes, with our actions, but also with our voices, what we are. Is it time to buy a billboard and plaster God loves you on it? I don't know. Maybe. Is it time to sport our church t-shirts and sweatshirts and water bottles when we are mowing the lawn and going to the grocery store and taking the kids to soccer? I don't know. Maybe. Is it time to take more of what we do inside those walls and this tent proudly out into the community? I don't know. Maybe. Christy, our director of membership, says yes. <laughs> I don't know. But it sure is time to have an elevator pitch with bold words and even bolder actions that tell the gospel message that we know and believe. Amen. <laughs>